All right, guys, welcome back to part two uh, with my buddy Brock Hewitt again here on the Kingdom Driven Podcast. Hey, how's it going? There he is. There we go. We're going to be going off uh, a little bit now in this next in this next part. The first part, he shared a bit of his story and his testimony. Um, yeah, just his redemption story and, and where he was and where God brought him to now. And now that he is a Christ follower, he's been finding lots of evidence lately. Mm-hmm. Um, about why that's the way to go, and so he's just gonna share a bit of that with us today. Yeah, how do you want to start this off, dude? Um, I don't know. I guess we can start with uh, I I think obviously, well, I I can't assume, but as Christians listening, you guys have probably looked into you know the historical evidence of Jesus. Um, maybe you haven't, and and we're actually not necessarily called called to we don't have to uh it is by faith but it actually is very beneficial to look into the history because you know in our um in our society obviously the church um there's a lot of opposition against the church and there's a lot of opposition against scripture and the doctrines and 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 a lot of different uh issues um that that are definitely prevalent nowadays so it's really nice to look at the evidence and the history of Christ and of um uh, like of Christ as a historical figure so that we can actually um you know approach arguments with non-believers um with love and with grace but also with fact and um of course apologetics yeah, 101 yeah literally so i that's kind of what i because even when I was starting to, you know, um, starting to open up the idea of even entertaining the idea of accepting him, I was such a logical person that I'm like, okay, I need to know, you know, some facts. I need to know some evidence. I, so I started really diving deep and, um, since accepting him and and coming back to him, um, it's definitely been something that's, uh, been uh, very interesting for me and, and um, something that I, I really like looking into just the evidence so that I, I we can have obviously these conversations, but have conversations with others um, that really just maybe don't understand, um, understand the faith. So um, yeah, for me, again, coming from more of the new age idea and the new age. Um, maybe, maybe first just touch on like, where you're you're studying these things so like yeah so no, nobody would know that you're like in school for this stuff and that right, type of thing right so i uh i just finished my my degree in economics actually but i had a lot of electives that i took uh especially in this last year um where i was able to take some theology stuff um and there was a couple of different courses there was christ through the centuries there was early judaism there's a lot of these other um bible centered um courses and then i also you know took some other courses with different religions to have comparison uh so i i study a lot of that stuff uh in school but i also you know i have um the what's what's the systematic theology author wayne gretham yeah yeah wait, i think that's Gretham. um yeah he i have his book i have it on the shelf right there. S- i just can't read his last name yeah i have the the bible doctrine version um so I, I get a lot from there as far as the theology aspect. Um, as far as the history, you know, like there's obviously, you know, you've probably heard of The Case for Christ, which is um, a, an awesome source to check out. Uh, it's basically a journalist that goes and interviews a, a ton of, you know, um, professors 
um, and different people uh, in in the Christian faith, but also that are you know doctors basically or have their doctorates in in Christian studies and and um, and have been studying the history of Jesus and and all these things for a long time. Um, so Case for Christ was a big one for me as well. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of different uh, places you can you can get the information, but I'm a book I'm a book guy, so I just try to find any uh, any books uh, that I can get in on the history of of Jesus. Um, and again, coming from the New Age stuff, it it is different because in the New Age, there's not really any uh, any doctrines or much history on some of these figures. Uh, y- you can take someone like it's whatever you want it to be, whatever you want it to be, and um, it, it's it's just uh, the the issue there is there's not really any um, again like we have scripture, we have an actual uh, we have a set and a guideline, right? We have something to look at. The, with the new age and with a lot of these other alternative spirituality um, practices that you see coming up, especially now in Western society, there's no doctrine. It is whatever you want to be. It's whatever resonates with you. And even the figures that they do follow, like, for example, let's take the Buddha, for example. Um, you know, the Buddha lives, I think it was about uh, 500, somewhere around like 500 years before Christ. The, f- the first, um, the first uh, written biography about him wasn't tell. Uh, after Christ, like it wasn't until after his death. Yeah. So to think about you know that five hundred, six hundred year gap before we have a, a biography of the of the Buddha, you know, it's for New Agers, it's, it doesn't matter. Like that's fine. But as soon as we talk about Jesus, or or even to some some Buddhists who would make the claim of, and and I've heard this said before, make the claim of maybe Jesus was just a guy that came and followed a lot of Buddha's yeah, teachings. Classic, classic one. That I mean that's probably the biggest one that we have to, not necessarily that he followed buddhist stuff the biggest one that we have to wrestle with is what did he do between uh 12 and 30 that's the biggest one that we have to wrestle with and there's that uh, that's a huge um area for for argument what obviously. do you what do you think he did i think that um i mean if we look at obviously when he was 12 we have the account of him um you know preaching in the synagogue right um Basically, I think that there's, you know, there's the different aspects of whether he was, you know, a, a carpenter's apprentice uh, under his father. Obviously, if he was preaching at 12, then he had some kind of special knowledge, right, to be 12 years old. And his parents are like, oh, where are you? And he's like, well, where do you think I am? Right. Like, essentially. Uh, and but from 12 to 30, those are the missing years. Right. Like, and that's a classic argument for for anybody else. Oh, well, was he out in the wilderness? What he, was he doing? Whatever. I think if we look at the life of John the Baptist as a wild man, he was someone out in the in the wilderness that um, was you know preaching that the kingdom of God's at hand. Uh, he was he was definitely somebody who was um, again out out in nature and and but he w- he also had a full understanding of the the jewish faith and he had an understanding of tradition he understood understanding of um you know the the stories and uh the truth in in our old testament but he yeah he was a nature like he, uh, a nature man in a way right so the new agers love that because they're just gonna go with the idea that oh well he would just it was all self-revelation and jesus was probably doing that jesus was probably out in the forest he was probably like you know connecting with nature and like all this stuff and that's a class that's a classic argument Except he right? was just looking at it as creation right 
Because he's made God. Made by his father. Right? Yeah. Made exa- by him. Exactly. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Being one with the father. And um, so, I mean, all we can do is kind of, you know, think about what could he have been doing? Well, if he's preaching the and uh and doing the things that he was doing at 12 and then we don't we have missing years john the baptist was out in the wilderness you know jesus he could have been you know out in the wilderness as well he could have been with john the baptist eventually he could have been just like we have the accounts where he goes to the mountains he goes to you know the the garden of olives he goes to these different places and prays with his father um he could have been doing things like that as well again i'm just going off of what i think might have happened um, but there's also a realization here that, that is really important. We can't just um, dismiss him as, oh, so he was just another like nature kind of monk, like like a, but, like a Buddha character, right? Or like the Eastern tradition where you realize everything about God through nature. Um, we can't just dismiss him like that because he was God, right? The things that he was doing were different than anyone else. The impact that he had was single-handedly more than any other human being has ever had on this earth whatsoever. So we have to look at those things and understand the doctrine of the Trinity. And when we think about, okay, what could have he been doing between 12 and 30? Well, we have to understand that, well, first of all, he's God. So he wasn't trying to reveal like this inner nature out, out in the forest. What if he was, you know, journeying through, through the forest or going on, uh, or going different places and praying with with his father he actually the father was in him like he he is you know one with the father being part of the the trinity um so we can't think that he was trying to get to an enlightenment or something like that because he actually essentially is already enlightened because he is god right like it's it's a different um thing but yeah new agers definitely would like would love to like harp on that idea like oh well you can just reveal it go out in the forest like and then it goes to extremes of like okay well yeah do some lsd and do shrooms and try to reveal this consciousness and oh that's what like it's not the same right i'm rambling uh, for sure and i'm just kind of no 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 it's a, it's useful rambling <laughs> it's <laughs> but, factual yeah well I, i'm just trying to think about again we have to look just like how we read the bible we look at it in, in the context um, and if we understand his character, then we can make speculation. It's just speculation, of course, but we can speculate on what he might have been doing. Um, but, but anyways, I think that, uh, you know, if we get back to the history elements, the historical elements, we, uh, we find that generally the idea is that, um, you know, as far as if we look at the Gospels, Gospel of Mark was written somewhere in the 70s. I'm going basically on the case for Christ here. Uh, so if you guys want to get that book, really good book. It's by Lee Strobel. Gospel of Mark was written basically in the 70s along with the other Gospels, Matthew and Luke, somewhere in the 80s, and then John in the 90s. Um, these, Of course, these are all within the lifetimes um, and of various eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, um, including eyewitnesses that would have corrected people if there were false teachings of Jesus being spread around. And um, so, for example, like if I wrote something right now about uh, World War II that was false, uh, being us, us in 2019, people would tell me because it's not that long ago they'd understand, right? It's, you know, what is it, 80, 80 years, something like that. Um, it's not people there's still eye, eyewitness accounts or gener- or you know people whose parents had had fought in it or grandparents or or whatever the case may be there i wouldn't people that would have correct would correct me if i'm wrong right so to think that you know 
all of all of these gospels, um, these were written in the lifetimes of the various eyewitnesses of Jesus. They would have corrected people if there were false teachings being spread. Um, Mark's gospel obviously is said to be based on Peter's account, who you know was obviously Jesus's rock. He was the one who he would found his church on. Um, so when we look at the composition dates of the Gospels, these, these are not late at all when we compare it to many other historical figures of the time. Like the Buddha example we said, again, 500, 600 years after Buddha's death, then we have a first biography. That's a lot of time, right? Whereas we're talking about, um, I mean, if we look at Paul's letter, uh, 1 Thessalonians, we have it written um, around like 50, 51 um, AD. Uh, that's that's within basically 20 years right um of of his death less and uh if we assume again these are assumptions but uh, if we look at the story arc of the new testament paul's letters had to be written after acts right because if we look at the combination of luke and acts like like luke wrote obviously gospel luke and then acts in acts we have um, the story end before Paul is put to death. And then if one, so if one Th- Thessalonians is written around, you know, 50, 51, that means Acts has to be written before, which means that the Gospel of Luke again has to be written before. So even though that we have um, the, the accuracy of, we say that Gospel of Mark was written in the 70s along with other Gospels, Matthew and Luke in the 80s, that's just what we were able to um, basically uh, discover like as far as the earliest manuscripts or parts of the earliest manuscripts grow. But if we think about it logically, um, it, it actually can, it, it can date quite a, like quite farther back and closer to the time of his death. Right. Um, but anyways, again, if we looked at other historical figures, these composition dates are not late compared to, you know, figures like Alexander the Great, for example, the two earliest biographies written about him are, are written more than 400 years after his death in 323 BC. But most historians would consider that to be generally trustworthy. But again, we have issues with with the stories of Jesus. But although there are miraculous claims about Jesus, uh, in which in some ways the human mind cannot fathom, it doesn't mean that we can easily just write it off as false when there is a historical framework to be reasoned with. and, And there is a historical framework that's present. So I feel like we must wrestle with this information to find the truth. And like for me, being such a logical, you know, guy, I I I needed this information. Like I really, really wanted to look into it because it it not only um, it it really strengthens our, our faith as as Christians to um, to try to understand the the historical framework. So whether the Gospels were written, you know. Um, Thir- between 20 to 60 years after the life of Jesus, this amount is neg- is this amount of time is negligible in comparison to like Alexander the Great, Buddha, all these other historical figures that people you know we we actually accept as historical figures. We're talking what one Thessalonians Paul is again around around the 50s, like early 50s, which is 20 years. And if that's the fact that we'd even call it the thir- the 50s. And I'll agree to that yeah. because our timeline is literally built that, that we continue to follow today after mm-hmm. the death of, of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's literally, uh, so anyways, it, it is something to, to look into. Um, but you know, 
when we talk to people who are against the faith, obviously they'll bring up, you know, oh, this is miraculous. Like I can't like accept this or all these other things, but we have the amount of copies to show that there is something here. Right. And again, when you're talking to someone who's a non-believer, you actually, I feel like just harping on them about the faith and about, um, you know, the judgment and all these things, that's totally true. And it's totally something that we need to not shy away from. But there is an aspect of, of grace and love that we need to have when we're approaching these conversations. And for me, my personal experience is the easiest thing has been actually just giving them the history. You know, whether it's, you know, taking the comparison between these other figures and Christ, whether it's even looking at, you know, the New Testament, like, we like for the New Testament, for example, we can find that we have more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts that have been cataloged. And next to the New Testament, um, the greatest uh, the greatest amount of manuscript testimony is, is Homer's Iliad, uh, in which fewer than 630 Greek copies have been recovered. Um, that's a pretty big difference. Um, and then you can look you can look also to uh, you can look to other, you know, um, ancient um, texts like this, but the New Testament is something that that again having over f- over five thousand Greek manuscripts like that's a ton in comparison to all these other um, ancient um, ancient uh, pieces of work that are that are you know generally viewed as historical, right? So I think we we really do need to understand that when we are um, trying to make the argument. Um, yeah, like as as Christ followers and, and people who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the thing that I hope this would encourage a lot of people in in the area of is that you don't have to come across like a stupid or naive person to believe that. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. these these are backed concepts. Like yeah, this happened. And of course, then their next argument will be, well, okay, just because it's written down doesn't mean it's true. Fair. But the the rea- the reality there is again going at the going to the number of copies, and thinking pragmatically and psychologically, and, and that's something that really really uh, strengthens my face. Not <laughs> face, faith. <laughs> nice face, <laughs> nice buddy. Face. Oh my gosh! But um, yeah. So that's something that that really strengthens my faith. Um, when it comes to just understanding, uh, not only not only the evidence, um, but the psychology of thinking about what the disciples would be like because you know um for example this uh, the classic argument is well okay just because it's written down doesn't mean it's true okay well we have five over five thousand greek manuscripts more than any other ancient text of all of saying very much the sim like a very similar thing and what's even greater about this is people sometimes people are worried about the discrepancy between oh Jesus said this here but it's a little bit different here like oh it can't be true then well, it's like actually that's better because if it was all the same that'd be a little sketchy but the 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 general arc of the story is the same um and so we can look at that we can look at the evidence we can look at how early the manuscripts were written um but the reality is it's really nice to look at the psychology of the disciples. If the disciples, um, you know, they're following Jesus, they believed in this truth. Um, if he died and, and stayed in the grave and did, did not rise, then the disciples would essentially, I mean, psychologically, what they would do is they would be like, okay, well, he's dead now. It's over, right? We're done. 
all right, this is over. Like he said all this, but it's not true. But you don't see that happen. What you see is these these people go out and spread the gospel, spread the truth in a way that they actually they actually sacrifice their lives for it. So when we think about this psychologically, it's like, you know, um, why would people die, like actually give up their own lives for something that's false, that they don't believe in, right? And especially when the, the, if the teacher dies and, he's, and he stays in the grave, why would, what economic gain would it be for them to actually say, oh no, this is true? You know, they, it wasn't like it was a monetary thing. Uh, obviously, you know, they were poor. It wasn't an economic thing. It wasn't a power thing. These these people, Peter and the other disciples, were literally going out and sacrificing their lives for something that they believed was true because it is true. And the reality is, even if you look at Paul, Paul's the best example. The guy was murdering Christians before, and he had a revelation where Jesus came to him, and he literally switched his whole mentality and his belief structure uh, to go and spread the gospel. Why Why would he do that if it wasn't true? Why would he give up his life if it was false? That's what I, I always kind of look at, especially especially the disciples who actually really, uh, you know, they lived with Jesus, right? If it was false, then they wouldn't be wasting their time. That's something that I like to, uh, to, uh, to look at a lot, and I think it's something that strengthens. Just thinking about, well, what would you do? What would you decide if you were one of his disciples in that time and he died and he lived in the grave and did not rise? What would you do? Would you go lie about to everyone and actually give up your life? No, I'd probably be like, no, never mind. He's gone. Like, it's fine. Like, we're good now. I wouldn't give up my life for that. But I but I would give up my life if I knew it was true. And, f- you know? and funny enough, like there had already been occasions be- before the resurrection even of his own disciples denying him. Based sure. on based on peer pressure and fear, sure. so now all of a sudden there's this huge mentality shift where it's like there there hadn't even been a resurrection yet, and and we're already too afraid not to deny this guy mm-hmm. who we commit our whole lives to, and now after the fact, now that we've seen him rise, all of a sudden like it it's okay, we won't do that anymore, right? Like just not likely. Mm-hmm. And that so that's something that I think when you're talking to people again for you guys out there. Uh, that might be, you know, against the faith and they might just not understand it. I I would actually challenge you to, to tell them to look into the history of it. And actually, because we should be able to use reason to understand what's true and we should actually be able to understand God from everything that we that we see, that we that we reason with, especially scripture. Obviously, it's laid out for us. But I think that a lot of people just, um, you know, they they shun off the Christian faith because you know they're brought up in Catholicism or they're brought up in in kind of more that ritualistic religious kind of religiosity uh, kind of kind of vibe. Uh, they don't understand it fully, and they don't understand how you know one guy one guy dying um, pays for for everything. But they also don't even maybe understand that they're sinners in the first place, and that's a whole other thing. So yeah, we can we can preach on the faith, we can preach on the judgment, we can preach on you know repenting and and accepting him, and, and accepting his his free gift uh, through faith. But I think what I'm finding that's more beneficial right now is actually just laying out the history, laying out when were the gospels written, laying out you know um, the the amount of manuscripts that we have, laying out the psychology of the disciples, challenge them, 
challenging people with, okay, well, if your teacher died and didn't do what he said, would you just keep saying a lie and then give up your life and be beheaded for it? Probably not. You probably wouldn't do that unless you really knew, you know, unless you were revealed through the resurrection and he came to 500 people, including the disciples, and showed them. And then they're giving up their lives for that. It's, it's, it's a psychological thing, but it's something that, uh, that I definitely think is, it, it really strengthens my faith. And, and when you look at whether it's New Age doctrine, whether it's all these other traditions, there just isn't the amount of historical evidence that the Christian faith has, whether it's looking at the New Testament copies or you know when these gospels were said to be written, uh, the manuscripts that we have found through archaeology and through different means. There just isn't anything that is more uh, prevalent and that has uh, been more prevalent through history than than the scriptures of the New Testament, especially. It's something that we can actually physically have. Um, we we have found uh, like parts of and, and stuff like that. So it's something to definitely look into. It strengthens the faith for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last question, and then we'll wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Um throughout kind of when when we've been chatting about this subject in the first episode and this one too I've been trying to think through my mind I wonder what some of the most common uh things Brock could find between this new age movement and Christianity like what's some common ground that you could find there that might actually end up misleading people uh like like how how could somebody actually misinterpret scripture and things like this what are and and you've touched on a couple of them but what are the most common things you see coming up time and time again i guess Hmm. um okay so i think that especially if we're talking about alternative spirituality or or the new age stuff and in a lot of ways it's um kind of infiltrating some of the churches too which is dangerous and we have to really again test and, and and figure out who are false prophets you know whether we're looking at the prosperity stuff uh it's not just all this the yoga new age um, stuff that's separate from us, it's actually something that's very close to home, and we have to really be careful. I think that when we look at, like, to to go back to what you asked there, um, you know, obviously there's some concepts, there's love, like there's a massive concept there that that is that goes beyond all things in the New Age, but the source there is still the self, and it's self-love, and it's ultimately anything that resonates with you so that you feel you know again it's it's focusing on the self it's not serving it's there there are elements of serving but it's always you know love yourself first love this first love instead of love god first and and you'll be and and understand his love for you it's just love yourself to the point where where you like you're good first before and you don't and i think that in that way it leads to some um kind of shady areas where you're cutting off people from your lives where you're um you know removing yourself from situations where you could be pouring out love to people and serving um instead you're just trying to love again it's that self-love um basis so that's kind of a darker area so yeah same concept of love two different sources um there's also an idea of rejecting the world that's that's definitely somewhat common uh, the New Age definitely rejects the world. They definitely reject materialism to an extent. Sometimes it gets, you know, boxed up as different things. Like our prosperity gospel, you get the, the spirituality gets boxed up as stuff you'll get right now uh, in the material world if you do certain things. Um, 
there is they reject materialism but they reject it to the point of actually ex- uh like taking themselves out of the reality of the world um to the point where like it it becomes psychologically damaging to to think that you should disconnect from your kids or disconnect from your husband or disconnect from your family and that no you're your only savior and i you just need to you know awaken this perfection so the rejection of the world again stems from that egoic source whatever to make me most happy and to make me most successful and whatever uh, spiritually i have to reject materialism i have to reject uh, damaging relationships i have to reject things that don't serve me instead of serving others in our in our christian lens yeah we reject the world because we understand it's not our final destination our final destination through faith is in heaven in in eternity eternal life with jesus christ with the father that that's the destination that's why we we reject the world so the source is different again um another one would be you know just a quick other one would be the the new age idea of bettering bettering yourself like there is an idea of bettering yourself but the problem is again it's the the moral compass is yourself right it's just what resonates with you so there is that oh i want to get better i want to get better but you keep falling down because you're not connected to the source of morality itself right the the thing the being that actually you know created morality and so the source is different again so you'll find that like um whether it's a new age whether it's uh, uh different aspects of different spiritual practices there definitely are things that are related. It's just looking at the source. Um, not something we touched on in the first one, looking at, you know, are you just doing charity work just for your own ego so to build you up, or are you doing it to actually serve God and to serve humanity and to serve something a lot higher than yourself, um, not to actually try to embody the thing that that is is higher than yourself and inadvertently you think it's actually yourself, which is very kind of confusing. So there's lots of common ground, but it's the source, the sources that are issues. Um, and it's that hierarchy of understanding that there's something higher outside of space time that actually fabricated this whole thing. If we believe in the Big Bang, then we believe that the universe started at nothing, right? Like it's, it was not, they thought the universe was eternal for a long time. But then, you know, as far as modern science, the, the theory is that that it came into existence time started in a finite point in time which means that there had to be something conscious with free will outside of space time that fabricated it so when people say that oh you know i just trust the universe and stuff like that it's like but what's higher what's higher than what was the cause that created the effect right so anyways um definitely a lot of common ground but it's understanding the source and when we understand the source as god and as jesus christ the savior then our lives start to be be put in order for an eternal purpose and yes we will still have suffering he actually says we will have suffering but it doesn't matter anymore because we know where we're going and we know where home is and that's i think where the new age is lost because they don't have the home and it's just a lot of suffering and i feel bad i feel bad that that it is like that for a lot of people because you just want them to find home mm-hmm. all right dude well maybe that's a good note note yeah. to end it on then for sure man. um Guys, thanks so much for listening again to the second part. I'm sure I'm going to have Brock on here a bunch more. Maybe we'll start a little branch of a podcast. Yeah, we could. Just just touching on this type of stuff if you guys are that interested. I know I'm super interested. But, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for listening. And if uh, you're somebody who's listening to this and a lot of 
uh, the things Brock's talking about resonates with you. Uh, maybe it's because you're somebody who finds yourself caught up in that new age movement. I strongly advise you to just get into scripture, get, get into the Bible, open it up and see what Jesus has to say mm-hmm. himself. Um, yeah, where where can they reach you again, Brock? Again, yeah, if you guys want to reach me, you can reach me on Instagram at Brock Hewitt Composer, um, or if you just search Brock Hewitt. What this guy's a composer? Compo- <laughs> Film music, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you guys want to reach me there, or just search on Google, you'll find all my music as well as links to how you can contact me. Um, but Instagram is probably the best, and they can DM you, ask you some questions. And yeah, for sure. Cool. And there's a lot of amazing sources online about, you know, the new age. Uh, there's the one site reasonsforjesus.com, which goes into a lot of stuff we talked about as far as evidence, as far as historical accuracy and kind of denouncing a lot of the pagan beliefs and why, you know, why it's untrue. But then why it's also even if you look at psychology and stuff like that, too, you'll understand why what Jesus says is actually beneficial for our well-being as opposed to damaging like some of the other ways. Amen, man. Okay, guys, uh, that's all for today. Mm-hmm. Strength and honor. Thanks for listening. Smell you later. <laughs> Done. You are loved.